I would tell them to continue being creative. Don't necessarily adhere to what your, you know, expectations of what an infosec professional are. You want to be a hacker? Go out and hack. Um, and I also wanted to tell them to never to underestimate the quote unquote soft skills, the ability to build a community, the ability to motivate others, the ability to encourage others to get creative and work together. That is a very under discussed skill in this community. And, but really more hacking, you know, is done out of a group or just people that are organized better than anywhere else. That's... Welcome to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor customer relationship. I'm George K with the vendor side. And I'm George A, a Chief Information Security Officer. And today we are doing something a little different. Typically we speak to vendors or buyers, but today we're going to talk about building something entirely different. We're very pleased to welcome to the show Metis4, aka Caitlin Bowden, hacker, activist, troublemaker extraordinaire, and member of the long-running and renowned hacker collective Cult of the Dead Cow. Caitlin, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, let's start in the most obvious place with the, let's say, quick and dirty version of how you got into hacking. Well, it is quick and it is dirty. Um, I got into hacking because a few years ago, somebody stole my ex's phone. He shared, he had some pictures on there that I didn't really want out for publication, but somebody decided to steal that and put them on a website, which was pretty gross. And I ended up oh. organizing the victims together and accidentally doing a hacktivism. Um, it caught wind of the cybersecurity um community and they welcomed me in with open arms and it's kind of been a wild ride since then oh that is that is an amazing story <laughs> so we're probably going to dig into a little bit of that later um we wanted to have you on to discuss what you showed off at defcon a couple of weeks back which is being built on the new valid app application framework and we're definitely going to get to that project but first for the benefit of our listeners could you give some background on valid um, Valid started a few years ago. Uh, Dill had approached me with this really great idea for tech that he had. Um, he wanted to build an application framework that didn't have a middleman. There was no centralized server, um, making it completely mm. private. And it was a peer-to-peer -peer network, mobile first. He had everything already coded in his head, but he said, you know, I'm worried about starting to approach this project. One, because I think it could be really bad. I think if we just release mm. it, as it is without, you know, taking some steps and discussing the philosophy and how we're going to build this, it could be bad. But he's like, knowing your experience and you being the trust and safety person that you are, um, I think that, you know, together we could really build this in a way that isn't going to end up being something that really, you know, is used to just do horrible things on the internet. And thus far, everybody seems to be building towards some really great things. So I guess that was a good move on his part. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, in stark contrast to maybe the breakneck AI race that we're in, where we just build things and bolt things on without asking important questions. But um, yeah, over to you, George. Yeah, I agree with that, George. Um, like, honestly, 
from an industry standpoint, I, I do think that we've taken the AI innovation like way too far too fast. No security or societal implications. And that's like a literally a whole other episode. Um, but uh, Kaylin, I've personally been a follower of yours for a while. I, I must admit, I think you produce some really great content. Um, and you kind of have the uh, sort of empowered attitude that I think brings a lot of positive energy to those who appreciate you, like myself included. Um, <laughs> so while your project work and profile in the community are like the bona fides that give you a seat at the table in my eyes from, a, from an operator or technical level, there was a recent incident that you posted about on Twitter that really motivated us to reach out to you and to give you a platform to speak. If you're cool too, and for the sake of our audience who are just being introduced to you, can you talk about what happened and what has been your experience in dealing with uh, toxic masculinity that seems to be endemic in our community and our industry at large? Sure. Um, wow, I could just go off about this for a very long time. Um, but yes, I, I will do my best to uh, put it in a nice, easy to digest format. Um, what happened at DEF CON is we were on the uh, the morning that we were scheduled to speak about Valid and unveil it, literally. Um, you know, I was checking my Twitter. I'm nervous. You know, this is my first time speaking at DEF CON on this big stage. And I'm speaking next to, you know, this brilliant guy who has already created so much in the industry. I mean, I was nervous. And I look at Twitter and there is a certain person that has decided to um, call out a what he perceived as hypocrisy in the fact that one of the things with Valid that we plan to do is demonetize social media. And he thought it was hypocritical of me to promote that sort of thing while having an OnlyFans. Now, mind you, I do have an OnlyFans. I, I'm the first to talk about it. It's not a big deal to me. I, it's For me, it's an empowering thing. I've already spoken about my history as far as having my images online. Um, and frankly, having an OnlyFans to me is a, a way of reclaiming that, you know, taking it back into my power. Uh, enough people that have made money off of my photos without my consent. It's about time that that benefits me. Um, but the fact that they had gone so far as to share the username, which I had not shared publicly on Twitter, as well as the header images, which aren't necessarily something that is on my Twitter, um, and tell me that I'm a hypocrite and that I don't belong. It, it Well, one, there's a big difference between um, boobs and social media. I'm monetizing one doesn't necessarily mean that I feel that I'm monetizing another. These are completely different concepts so the logic there was you know off but at the same time it was also really stood to the point that uh there are some people in tech that really hate when a person steps outside of the lane that they expect them to be in somebody who is a bartender or an OnlyFans girl or somebody that has a history of working outside of the industry and in unrelated fields um shouldn't you know some people feel they shouldn't be welcome within this industry and i think that's a problem because this industry is something that really takes a lot of creativity a lot of uh you know ways of thinking outside the box and it's not going to be always the same people getting the same classes and from the same college that are able to catch everything because i'll tell you what hackers aren't going to mit necessarily or colleges they are just people who learned how to do things um, and, you know, I can go into the fact that he was trying to use my sexuality and some sense of shame to uh, get me to shut up. I, I 
but you know that is a whole nother discussion which you know in itself as far as sexuality shame and the female experience but yes that was absolutely toxic masculinity he did remove it to be fair after i messaged him and explained to him that this is causing actual harm um because i hadn't shared those things publicly and now suddenly i'm getting a bunch of followers that i wasn't able to vet myself um which increases my security risk and he did delete it but it's one of many 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 times that uh you know my sexuality has been used to undermine my legitimate work yeah that's that's kind of like just at a very high level like the difference between what you're trying to do with bailed and, and what you were doing on the of piece like your boobs are not harvesting data to sell it to advertisers <laughs> And politically manipulate our lives. Yes. So I, <laughs> we have the technology. We can build them. Not, not in my lifetime, dude. I don't need that in my life. Um, but no, like it's it's like there is a difference between uh I think crossing boundaries and and I and I really do believe like boundaries and any type of like interaction or relationship are critical. Um, I think the important thing as well, you really hit the nail on the head. How do people, because we're trying to deal with this quote unquote resource problem in the industry, we're trying to get people from non-traditional mm. backgrounds because they have different ways of solving problems, which brings a lot of value. How are we then like supposed to try to encourage this when someone like yourself, who has a completely non-standard, non-STEM background, is coming in there, self-taught, you're doing the thing. I'm like, what kind of message does that send? Because, yeah. you know, just because you happen to do something that could qualify potentially as, you know, quote unquote, sex work or whatever it is, however, you choose your legal consensual means to make money should not impact your ability to enter into and succeed in our industry. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to say, you know, uh, and we'll talk about it more later on in the episode, but like, how do we immediately try to 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 address this because like my first thought was like I, I told george like right away i was like dude we have to platform her we have to give her a chance to talk about this this is fucking nuts yeah yeah it also stands in stark contrast that one you were able to have why well, actually sorry one you needed to ask and explain why it caused harm but also that he was reasonable enough to see that logic and then take it down that's uh that's a weird paradox to me he's um an interesting human being i'm not going to name names but i'm sure many that are on twitter in the cyber community can imagine exactly um who i'm talking about he has repeatedly he repeatedly has gone after women for various things um and he he's talked about a lot we'll leave it at that okay <laughs> Well, we're going to return because I also think it's that behavior stands in stark contrast to what you'd said at the beginning about how welcoming the community was to you, you know, initially. So I want to put a pin in that. But without further ado, I do want to talk about your project. So tell us what you are unveiling on Veil. Like what, what will make you the next billionaire that we actually like? <laughs> well, one, I never want to be a billionaire. Ever. I don't want this project is a project of love. Everybody that is involved, we're not making money off of it. That's kind of the point. Uh, the fact that we aren't monetizing any aspect of any of it, 
I think gives us a freedom that most social media or peer-to-peer networks don't have. We aren't, are, we don't have any overhead. Well, we don't have much overhead. Um, and what we do have, we can cover by selling some t-shirts. Um, and so everybody that's been in this project, uh, they have been working, you know, putting their time and energy into it. And that is really the only, um, that's the only uh, overhead we have is time and energy. Valid is, has the potential to really change the world, to up, to uh, disrupt the data economy. Um, it all depends on what we want to build with it. And one of the things that I really wanted to do that I felt was really important is since we aren't monetizing this and we don't want to encourage other people to monetize it, why not um, motivate them with the feeling of doing something worthwhile as well? Um, I know when I was invited to join the Cult of the Dead Cow, I was really excited to get out there and do something that meant something um, with this platform that I was given. So I wanted to invite the entire community to come join us and do a hacktivism together, um, help build apps, help get market, help get this thing safe. Uh, we have, you know, some ideas for apps that, you know, are off the normal uh, use case scenarios that we had thought um, people had come to have already come to us with a bunch of different use cases that we hadn't previously thought about. Um, and eventually, eventually, the plan is to build a social media app. Um, but I want to make sure that it is, uh, you know, accessible, that everything we build is accessible to everyone, um, not just people that are, you know, super friendly with tech and super knowledgeable about how that stuff works. Um, I wanted to make sure it's accessible to everyone. I wanted to build in safety and privacy as the foundations of the project because they these two terms often you know conflict, but I believe they interject in a really nice way um, or intersect in a very nice way. And it is possible to balance that. Um, so we are working on building a bunch of apps. We almost have Valid Chat ready to go, which is similar to Signal, except... It's not going to ask for your contacts, and you don't need to give anyone your phone number to message them. Um, and hopefully that will be out soon. Um, but yeah, we want to completely just shape the whole, you know, take back the internet to where it was supposed to be. You know, forget Web 3. We want to bring it back to Web 1.5. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think we're old enough on this call, the three of us, to remember you know, the old message boards and bulletin boards back when no one controlled the infrastructure. You know, you would just program these things and you would join it and you would find people and you didn't need to know who they were. You didn't have necessarily avatars or pictures, but you were like, oh, yeah, blood fuse 6739, like that quote unquote person and I are always talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, oh, that's actually dude, you're you're talking about the era of like GeoCities forum community, <laughs> <laughs> DOS like command prompt, like oh yeah, but that's that was the core of what made the internet great. And like before monetization really kicked in, I would say in the last uh, 15 years, I think Caitlin, you you're really bringing us back to what the whole point of this thing was supposed to be about. And I hope it's a movement that really spreads. And I think. From a community standpoint, if people actually understand what it is you guys are trying to achieve, I think a lot of people are going to buy into it because, frankly, a lot of folks are getting sick of just like the commercial stink. Mm -hmm. I think we are. Um, I think as a 
general community, most people got into hacking because they wanted to change something. You know, I there are, for sure there are people that got into it simply because cybersecurity, you know, is a pretty good paycheck. But I think there are plenty of us that just got into hacking because we wanted to, for lack of a better term, fuck around and find out. We wanted to poke systems and see what happened and see if we could make changes and things. Um, and that's what I really am hoping that the community sees is an opportunity here to do something different. Um, you know, just bring it back to where it was and to make sure that, you know, ourselves and our loved ones are not just a commodity for billionaires to use so they can send each other to Mars or try to fight each other in a cage or whatever it is that they're doing these days with their money. I mean, we, and we see it. We see how bad it's gotten. We see entire generations of people who have just handed their data over willingly to Facebook um, and ended up getting radicalized as a result. And, you know, I feel like if we build something that is accessible um, and we get our parents off of Facebook, we're all going to be set free. Oh, so praise be. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like I remember when Farmville came out and tell you about my mom, but yeah. Um, so I would say the biggest thing about you that warrants immediate respect in my eyes is the clear level of authenticity that you carry yourself with. Um, how did you reach uh, a point of just saying, fuck it and leaning into yourself in every way with such confidence and clear passion. And I specifically ask this because there are a lot of people, this is not just a female thing. There's a lot of folks who are in industry and they're scared to just be their fucking selves. And mm -hmm. it's the thing that's holding them back from actually thriving. Like, how did you do it, man? Well, I got off LinkedIn. I think that's the biggest step is I never embraced <laughs> LinkedIn. I never gave a shit what thought leaders thought of me. I, I don't know how to be anybody but myself. I, I'm a little feral in that sense. I, I mind you, I'm also not taking getting offers, you know, for high paying jobs here. I am me, and maybe me in some ways is unhirable, but I'm kind of okay with that because that was not why I ever got into this industry to start out with. I never wanted to be an infosec professional. I wanted to get in here and make some changes. That's it. Um, and I think that that's a little bit of a privilege that a lot of I, a lot of people probably don't have is that I am allowed to be myself even in the unhirable parts, um, you know. And that has to do with the fact that you know I married someone in the industry, and that does help. I am, you know, I, I get to sell my art and in every way, shape, and form, and that's it. I'm not an industry person. If I had a CEO that was going to object to the way that I behave online. I wouldn't do so well. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break there and then we will come back and get into the brass tacks. And we're back. And uh, we'll kick it over to you, George A., for the first part. All right, thanks there, George K. So, Kaylin, given your start in the hacking world is based on a real case of device theft, how did you actually begin learning how to do the things when you began as, from what sounds like a completely non-technical position? Well, yeah, I was a completely non-technical person. Um, I was a bartender, and my 
ideals of the internet really didn't extend past, uh, you know, Google and, you know, how to shop online or Facebook. And when I found myself, um, you know, confronted with the fact that my pictures were shared on a, uh, an image board uh, site that was dedicated simply to uh, sharing those pictures without consent, and they had us divided up by sluts by state, um, I started reaching out to the other victims. I didn't really know how to start approaching things in a technical sense, to be honest. Um, I had a friend that taught me about DMCA's and taught me how to remove my images because they mm. were mine. I did have the copyright on them. Um, and when I was reaching out to other victims, I was also teaching them about the DMCA, you know, which also then led me down the rabbit hole of learning how that actually works. And, um, you know, meanwhile, we've got more and more victims joining in. I'm starting to recognize that there are a lot more of us than there are of these guys that are sharing these pictures. And uh, we came up with the idea to start flooding the boards manually. We that Somebody could easily have written a very simple script to fill these websites up with pictures of Shrek, but we decided to do it manually. We didn't use, you know, some crazy VPN system so everybody, you know, could, you know, sit there and post multiple pictures and flood it. Um, but we realized that if we all just did it at the same time, they really couldn't do anything. Like there was no mm. protections against an actual um, army. And that's what it became. So we uh, started bumping pictures of Shrek uh, actually ended up, they had to shut their site down for a while so that they could clean it all up. Um, yeah. And that's when, you know, it started, other people started contacting me and like, hey, we know some easier ways that you could do this. And, <laughs> and started teaching me. And, you know, meanwhile, we're also getting press and things like that. And people are learning like, okay, well, Facebook has a really bad reputation for being a place that, you know, radicalizes people or, you know, just uses their data. But one thing is that it was a really great place to do some community um, building and growing of these, this group of victims. And all of us were working together to fight back. So that's kind of how it started. And since then, I've been doing my best to just keep up and learn as much as I can. Given the balance of your recent experiences i guess what is your advice to the next generation of hackers and i have a second follow-up question but you know let's say you're at defcon and some of these younger folks who are there for the first time come up to you and they're just sort of like wide-eyed and they're just looking for some kind of advice like what would you what would you tell them i would tell them to continue being creative don't necessarily adhere to what your, you know, expectations of what an infosec professional are. You want to be a hacker? Go out and hack. Um, and I also wanted to tell them to never to underestimate the quote unquote soft skills, the ability to build a community, the ability to motivate others, the ability to encourage others to get creative and work together. That is a very under discussed skill in this community and but really more hacking you know is done out of a group or just people that are organized better than anywhere else that's you know that's it uh be creative have fun and uh, always carry stickers <laughs> yes yeah, yes yeah. 100 yeah, you know hacker has been a pejorative term 
on one side of the industry for a while. I'll say the suit side of the industry. And that there's a movement to kind of reclaim that, you know, threat actor, cyber criminal, don't call them hackers because hackers are not inherently criminal. And I thought we came around kind of full circle at this DEF CON when you start seeing the White House basically show up and say, like, we need all of you because we can't red team this stuff fast enough. So we just need your creativity. So to your point about building community and bridging across, I can't think of two more diametrically opposed entities than the historical DEF CON and the White House, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I, I have a follow-up question based on that paradox we discussed, that contradiction of how welcome you were when you first started and then this most recent um, and you know countless other times you've faced the toxic masculinity problem. What do you want to see from male allies? Like what is something other than just, you know, retweeting or favoriting? Like what is something that can be more active? This is actually a question that George and I have gotten a lot since we aired on blast a lot of the stuff that our female colleagues went through at Black Hat. Mm -hmm. um, that one is, it's not a fun answer. It's not one that is going to get you as many kudos as retweeting or creating a thread about you know, how women should be treated. But the fact is that a lot of this stuff breeds in spaces where women are not there. Um, so the biggest thing that allies want to, who want to fight against the sexism in the industry, the biggest thing they can do is to speak up when things are happening when we're not there. Um, you know, if you people talk about locker room talk and if you happen to overhear that and you're in a conversation um, and you hear somebody say something wrong, just say, hey, no, no, bro, not cool. You know, set it, shut it down immediately. And if they want an explanation, you can give them one. But really just you know, checking people's bad behavior long before it reaches, you know, the point of harm is the easiest way for allies to, you know, fight this kind of thing. Love it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, there's like two things on that. The first is like, um, one, it's amazing that you bring up the soft skills piece, because this is like, the entire point, like the raison d'etre of our show was just like, can we make this industry a less insufferable experience for everyone? That is the <laughs> whole point of why we did this. Um, and kind of the other thing, you know, it's interesting. And it leads into my question a bit too. Um, it's interesting seeing the US Gov and the big tech starting to try to bleed their way into DEF CON because, you know, and I talked to some of the goons uh, that are also like longtime uh, execs in the industry as well, but they've been longtime goons. and. It's like, hey, are we are we gonna dilute what the purpose of this event was always supposed to be about now that the DARPA chick is there like recruiting people into that system, knowing what that system's trying to produce? Um, you know, and I think there's a degree of like creative authenticity that I hope does not get destroyed and limited by the fact that government wants to play ball because as soon as you do anything with government, any Western government, you begin having to curtail like your freedom of expression and your freedom of exploration. So uh, going into the question, it kind of feeds into how do you see the future of our community in the next five to 10 years? And how can we help try to influence it away from this whole insufferably commercialized data or stolen data driven Skynet that's brought to you by big tech? <laughs> well, the answer to the second question is easy. Um, check out valid.com. 
look up what we're doing and possibly join our community. Everybody is welcome. Um, as long as you aren't going to be a jerk to anyone else in the community, we'd love to have you. Bring your skills, try something new, maybe get a trophy. If you break our systems creatively enough, I'm making trophies. Um, that's the easiest question for number two. Um, for the first question, though, that's a lot more nuanced. Uh, there is a huge difference between Black Hat and DEF CON, for instance. Um, those are two completely different things. Um, and I do see a lot of people, you know, trying to rebrand what hacking is. Um, you know, we see the hacking is not a crime stuff. And that's great. That's great that they are doing their best to bridge the gap between the professional side of hacking and what it used to be. But at the same time, I think we need to just allow InfoSec to become a completely different thing. DARPA is not looking for hackers and looking for InfoSec people. There's a difference. Uh -huh. These um. You know, these are two industries that, yes, while they may appear the same, um, I get so frustrated when somebody calls me an infosec professional. I'm like, dude, if you're going to call me that, I, I really wish I had the paycheck to go with that. I am a hacker. And I think that we need to acknowledge that that needs to kind of break off and become its own thing. There's not going to be there shouldn't necessarily be a rebranding of hacking and just call infosec what it is. That's actually really cool. And I think I've been trying to find a way to get someone to express it for a few weeks now, because like, that's where I see things going. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. As soon as like, RS, well, Black Hat, in my opinion, is turning into RSA. And DEF CON is turning into what Black Hat used to be. So now mm -hmm. there has to be a place to facilitate the actual hackers who are not just doing this for money. They're doing it to do cool shit, solve interesting problems and break things, which I mm -hmm. think for, you know, for most of us at some level, that's, that's like you said, why we got into doing the thing. I mean, even, even for myself, where I come from, my background was really, I wanted to chase the bad guys. Mm -hmm. That's it. It wasn't about money. It was about let's like protect people's businesses. Let's chase the bad guys. And when I was making absolutely minimal compared to anything today, I was just as happy because you, there's the thrill of the chase. Whatever your whatever your adrenaline is, the community is going to find a way to facilitate it for folks who are still genuinely involved. And um, it feels really good hearing you say it because I think you personify kind of the the character that I think represents uh, the best of the community. Thank you. I mean, there's there's a bunch of other conferences that I believe are going to step up. I hope we get one. Um, in the middle of nowhere, like I'd love to see a uh, Colonel Con step up and become the next DEF CON or Cactus mm. Con or Shmoo or any of the, you know, many Wild West hacking fest. And plus, there's always the B-sides. There's yep. so much community locally that, you know, DEF CON is fun because it's just a giant, you know, it's a giant thing. And you get to see everybody and there's so much to do, but it's also a little overwhelming. And I think. And inaccessible. To, to yes come, you know? and that's really what is. i've been trying to say is like everyone talks to newcomers about you like got a network but they don't talk about that expense and i try to emphasize you have local meetups you have local regional conferences b-sides where you know you can volunteer and just get your feet in the door and start meeting like-minded people absolutely there's a ton of b-sides um one of the things we're doing with Valid is making an effort to uh, and go out and talk to some of the smaller, less known conferences or people that wouldn't normally get somebody like 
I guess me, I don't know, but mostly like Dildog. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, he is, he pretty much founded InfoSec when he, you know, founded AdStake and uh, Veracode, the two big, the two first real big corporate InfoSec. No, most places don't get a speaker like that. So we're going to go and make an effort to make sure that we're getting out there so people get a personalized introduction to Valid. That's amazing. That's really great. Um, well, Caitlin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and for muscling through. And we all collectively hacked our way through our uh, video conferencing problems. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for uh, dealing with my uh, inability to make computers do things that I want them to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for the time. And uh, I hope we can talk again soon. Me too. Have a great day. Take care, Caitlin. Thank you.